Hello and welcome back to another week of On Repeat, the podcast. We're still uh, very much feeling like we're at the beginning of uh, 2021, but fear not because we have something to spice up your lockdown. This week, we give you London-born artist Lucy Liu, also known as Luke Bauer, who combines experimental and progressive jazz with his silky melodies. And we talked to Luke about his musical journey, growing up in London, collaborations with his partner Uma, and even some of his guilty music pleasures. Oh, I love this episode so much. I loved speaking to Luke. He was super lovely. Um, And a little bit of background about Luke. His first gig was supporting the London-based post-punk outfit Shame. And amongst the lineup for his first outing was Miss Maurice and Richie Savry of Kokoroko, along with longtime friend Puma Blue, a.k.a. Jacob Allen on guitar, who's someone that re... um, interviewed in our previous season so if you want to find out more about him maybe go back and listen to that one after you listen to this what a cosmic episode that was loved that it it all ties together we love a (laughs) we love a tied up world (laughs) (laughs) exactly so whilst uh writing and releasing music under lucy lou luke still managed to tour the world playing bass for nilifer yanya so you can check out um, the tiny desk with her and Luke's playing bass on that if you haven't already. He also joined one of our favourites, Lorcana, on his EU tour in 2019. And he has supported Arlo Parks, who we all know has... Oh, kicked off. Exactly. Lucy Liu has also appeared on a Colours Berlin show where he performed a debut of Insomniac. And we absolutely love it. Yeah, I think that's one of my like favorite colors um, videos mm. to to date. Really, it's so good. We do talk about that in the podcast, um, so definitely listen out for that pick. And Luke was actually in the middle of a tour when the first wave of COVID hit, so he was opening for the Cat Empire. They were able to squeeze in around two shows at London Shepherd's Bush O2 before nationwide lockdowns put a stop to all concerts sadly so on the eve of the borders closing Luke flew to a sunny Spain to be with his partner Uma and together they spent lockdown writing recording and growing vegetables and it just sounded absolutely lush um that was where we interviewed Luke obviously we weren't in sunny Spain we were in a very wet and cold London but it's just the power of modern technology right so He's in beautiful Barcelona and he's working on a Lucy Liu debut album. So we're super excited to hear that when it comes out and see if there's any sort of Spanish influence. Ooh, yeah, I've been keeping up to date uh, with uh, with Luke and Uma on Instagram. They've got some pretty lush videos. If you mm. want some amazing, lovely, peaceful things to watch, you should definitely check them out. Super gorgeous, super gorgeous. And Uma's amazing in her own right. She's going to be on the show whether she likes it or not. <laughs> <laughs> we're just putting that out there <laughs> <laughs> we, we want you um, you're amazing and yeah so if you haven't come across Lucy Liu yet you are in for such a treat and we have no doubt that you'll want to keep him on repeat so without further ado this is Lucy Liu It's nice to uh, it's nice to have you on today yeah. from from Spain as well. Lovely to be here. Yeah, 
Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Oh, I've been super it's, excited. I was listening to your music earlier, just like, I'm obsessed. <laughs> and I'm so excited. <laughs> is this your first podcast, Luke? This is my first <gasps> podcast. My, oh! my first podcast you can see i'm nervous already i don't really know anything about your life and and like like where you grew up and if your parents are musical and you say like mm. your mum was playing the planets yeah sick <laughs> like my, i wish my mum was playing the planets what, what does your mum play <laughs> what does she play what does she like um, what does she play to you as a as a kid Oh, I love it when our guests like ask a question back around yeah. and ask the question around. It's a very particular type of guest that does that. You slightly hate um, it. You're like, <laughs> I see you. Uh, uh, so um, yeah, my mum uh, just she liked two things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> number one was Queen. Cool, lovely. And number two is Mika. Mika. <laughs> yes, Mika. What's this? What's the song? Wait, is it like the big one? I can be brown. I can, I can be, be dirty. Yeah, that's quite that's quite modern. I think I was like brought yeah. up on like strictly, yeah, man. <laughs> strictly like Motown and reggae and Bowie, and mm-hmm. like maybe um, like Roxy music. I think that's yeah. it. I think that's when my mum just stopped. <laughs> she just stopped. <laughs> she hit those years and was like, "Do you know what? I'm done." <laughs> <laughs> my mum loved Roxy music. Um, you know when you're kind of I'm actually another reason I'm nervous is because I think my parents would be definitely listening to this I don't know about anybody else in my family but I know my parents are definitely going to check this out and they are I don't want to get anything wrong about their things but my mum I think is definitely a big Roxy Music fan and um, but she did like a lot of different stuff as well like I remember a lot of Erica Badu coming out of the kitchen Yeah. A lot of like a lot. She had a really, really broad music taste, so she'd be playing a lot of different things. And um, yeah, the planets was just a random. Sometimes she'd just be vibing to the planets in the kitchen. Not that she was always in the kitchen. <laughs> Sometimes she was in the studio as well. But it's, she would your... always listen to music while cooking. And I think that's a perfect accompaniment. Is your mom, yeah. mother also a musician? She's she not an artist. She's an artist. She's a visual artist. Oh, that's um, it. And she works in a variety of different mediums, but um, yeah, she's mostly visual. But we did do, we've had collaborated on one, we've collaborated on a piece before, which was really interesting, where she um, she went round with a little Zoom recorder, recording uh, sounds from the South Bank and where, we, where I live, where, where, rather where I grew up. So the South Bank and the River Thames. So she recorded mm. all these found sounds like uh, pebbles rattling and uh, this train going over the bridge. And then she gave it all to me. And then I made uh, sampler instruments out of the stuff I could make harmonic and then just percussion out the stuff that I couldn't. And then made a score to a kind of film that then she sh- that she then shot of... Uh, just the water uh, so yeah I want to big that up actually that's what I want to promote in this um, in this podcast you should definitely. go check that out I'll yeah. give you guys the link oh. to that yeah definitely because it's actually yeah. like one of my favourite pieces of music I've made because I was like quite young when I did it and I'm like this is actually so clever like I would <laughs> never be bothered to do anything now like this and obviously it took my mum coming up with the concept for it mm. um yeah, so that was a cool thing that I did. It's got some, you know, like the EXS24 
on Logic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just put all of the sounds into there and then you can like make them, tune them. And it was like, yeah, it was a really cool uh, kind of film, sc- my kind of my my version of a film score, but for like a short seven minute mm. art film. That's sick. Was that like kind of, do you think, yeah. Karen, you go, Ali. <laughs> Sorry, this always happens on on, um, on Zoom. Um, I was just, I was just kind of interested when you were talking about it being one of your favorite or the best piece of music mm. that you've done. Is that something that you think you're aware of in the moment, um, or when you've just completed the project, or is it something that you feel like you know a few years later when you've got maybe like a different set of ears to go back on it? I think at at the time I was like, it just felt very like I'd make that kind of thing all the time, as in the feel of it, not with the the instruments. The instruments were obviously quite unique, but with now looking back, I'm like, oh, it sounds really, it still just sounds kind of interesting and cool and not like anything else I've really made. And I think that's why I like it because... Some of the stuff I'd be like, oh, this is going to be my neck, you know, this is going to be huge. Mm. And you look back at it in like two years and you're like, I sound like a baby. I sound like a, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I think that's, but maybe it's because it didn't have my voice on it. I think the voice is always a big signifier of like where you're at. Mm. Like when I listen back yes. to my old things, I'm always like, oh, wow. Damn, I couldn't sing. Um, or I think you're a bit hard on yeah. yourself. <laughs> yeah. I think your voice sounds kind of like butter butter like there is there is actually a um i think there's a playlist on spotify called butter i've actually been on it before one of my tracks with my first ep called promise i broke was on there and i was like this is kind of a weird track to be on butter because it's like that's like a ballad uh it's like quite sad and i was like i guess i guess it doesn't really belong here i guess the drums kind of do but yeah the subject matter and feel of the track for me is quite cold not interesting so so maybe it's cold (laughs) but not not melting it's not spreadable (laughs) it must be kind of strange listening to someone else describe your voice in a particular way um do you feel like you take influences by any particular singers or did you have um, training or do you follow sort of techniques or do you just sort of do your thing um for ages i did my thing and i was just like this is you know training singing training this is this is silly and then <laughs> i'm yeah like had to just get get it together and get some training because i my music taste kind of began to expand or like i feel like my music taste moved and then two years later i was like damn i've been trying to sing this kind of music for two years and i can't still so i need to probably get some training like now it's still not where i want it to be i think it kind of goes in and out of like i'm really happy with it and then mm. you kind of go oh i wish it could do more things um i wish i'd started practicing falsetto when i was like 16 rather than getting into it now when i was doing jazz and pop singing it was really difficult to find a teacher who really understood technique in a popular music context yeah have you found that as well I feel like it's quite a lot of figuring out how do you retain your sense of style I've had my voice described like I think by this guy called Cameron my friend Cameron he says your your voice sounds your singing voice sounds exactly like your speaking voice really yeah and I was like oh 
thanks. Um, he was like, yeah, of all the singers I've met, you're one of the people that keeps, that retains their natural speaking voice in their singing voice. I was like, oh, that's... Interesting. I think yeah. I'm, I'm proud of that. Mm. Um, I don't know. I've had such different styles of teachers. So like my first teacher was, I was in year 11. I was doing the school musical. I was playing the lead male part in, in, in Moulin Rouge, Christian. <gasps> Oh my god! Ooh. Yeah, that's such uh, a great a musical. Re- oh my god! Uh, yeah, it is, isn't it? That's it's my got favorite some song really, to sing. <laughs> really difficult <laughs> parts to sing, though, as well. Uh, for especially as I just kind of come out of like I don't know, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna model my voice on Johnny Cash and people that have a really low voice and not really bother yes. with anything too fiddly, and then straight away I'm going into singing like Elton John. Uh, well, there's medleys in it and stuff like that as well. Mm. There's all kinds of different stuff. So I was like, really, the the singing teacher was really putting my putting me through my paces there, and I was hating every step of it. And then my next singing teacher was, um, a fella called Sam, who was more of a who was an artist himself, and was just trying to give me techniques to expand range and different voices to explore, but. Um, and he kind of brought me into that thing of like try and resonate your voice in different parts of your head and like that kind of like sing like you're a witch stuff and I was like this is cool but I don't know (laughs) how much I'm going to need it and then um, I had a bit more of that kind of style at Goldsmiths and then I had another Mm. uh, yeah my favourite singing teacher today which was Daisy uh, a, a girl called Daisy who yeah she was just awesome because she was such a I just had a really beautiful voice and a really holistic way of looking at the singing and like also just looking at artistry as a craft. Mm. Um, And that was really useful because we'd go through songs that I had and I'd sing to her and she'd look at how, she'd like break it down and be like, so here's how you're like sliding all the time. Here's how you're not taking the breath in the wrong place. Here's how you're doing that. And it was like, Okay, cool. That gave me the tools to look at my own songs and how I sing. So that's the key, isn't it? Like giving giving someone the tools to do something. I think I think actually that was the answer to my question that wasn't really a question. But that's it, isn't it? Like if you want to sort of find a bridge between some kind of technique but also retaining your mm. sort of sense of self in a creative context, it's it's just being given the tools. Yeah isn't it right mm, like yeah. interested to know like what came first was it the singing for you or was it the the instrumentation the chicken or the egg <laughs> yeah piano <laughs> piano instrumentation um yeah it actually was i started learn i think actually it came at the same time i was in i was 14 so i came to music kind of late um mm. when i actually started to take it like okay i'm gonna try this out for a bit mm. and um yeah i just learned uh I think it was a Kings of Leon cover on piano and voice. Oh, yeah. Uh, for a school music, assign- like for year nine music class, they were like, get in a group, learn uh, a song. And I was uh, like... Ah, we had to do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's quite yeah. a modern choice, actually. That's quite quite cool. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, my dad was just like, here's an easy one for you. <laughs> you know, when you're writing songs and trying to get people together, because I know you work mm. with Tim, who I work with... Oh uh, yeah, we have a mutual collaborator. Do you find that it helps you to have plans when you're in rehearsals or writing? I never go with any kind of writing or paper 
or notes really in a rehearsal setting. Um, if I'm feeling organized, I'll hopefully have sent recordings of the musical parts to the players. Right. But, um, yeah, I think also I actually, Tim could probably say this as well, that oftentimes I'll just throw something at him. I'll be like, yeah, these chords in the middle <laughs> of a rehearsal. Um, so I, I always like to think that I'm really organized. And then the last at the last moment, I drop out of that. And mm. um, so it's kind of cha organized chaos, I guess. The best really kind, cool. the best kind. I think I used to come at it even more chaotically mm. when I was younger. Um, kind of expect arrangements to sort of form out of there being people in a room. Mm. But obviously it doesn't actually tend to happen. Normally you need to kind of say, this is where you don't play something. Um, and having that, those ideas or, or just a structure or a demo or something there before is good. I was going to say, like, so you just um, said about like, oh, here's a part you don't play. And actually, I think that's something that I did notice about um, some of your music, like particularly Insomniac. There's a really good use of silence and pauses. And I love it so much. It's so like tension building. And I just mm. wondered how you started to kind of incorporate that into your into music was it something you'd always done or was did that come from like a oh stop and be like oh actually I like this little break yeah um it was kind of something that yeah when you are playing with groups of people playing in bands it's always that moment where you go oh they've worked on this where they everybody knows to stop or something like that um so yeah I think that was just a song where I just took that concept to like the fullest you can Mm. kind of take it and bring that um i've heard a couple of songs uh there's a jovial do you know jovial yes yeah there's a song of hers that has a really nice nice stop in it um and also like i think i take it a lot from like film score music a lot of the mm. influence on my music is film score music so you know you get like this big build-ups and then it's like and then it, you don't get the payoff or whatever Yeah, yeah. Uh, in like a big scene. And um, yeah, I think film score music was like the first type of music I really was listening to because my mum would like bang out, I don't know, like The Planets, which isn't a film score, I don't think. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Holst? Yeah, I think so. Holst, yeah, I believe. Oh, Gustav Holst. You were talking about... Um like your mum going around and like finding sounds yeah, sure. and then like you kind mm. of resampled it. Is that something you do in your music now? Like never. Like never. Like well, this actually with lockdown, having a bit more time for a couple of the Uma tracks, we got some bits around the house and we put them in. Mm. Um, yeah, but like not as much as I, as I should. As mm. I should, yeah. Do you guys do that? Yeah. No, but we've spoken to a few people that have. Yeah. Well, I don't. I, I think Ellie wants to. But we've spoken to. I do. I I did. I used to do it quite a lot, but I I, I do do it. It's sometimes. like one of those things, yeah. like yoga. It's like, you know, the people that do it, you're like really jealous of them. You're like, oh, it's so cool that you do it, and you know it's good for you, and you know it's good for your music. But it's also something that's just like can be a bit. I don't know. I can't be asked sometimes. <laughs> mm. I also think it's quite hard to kind of take like a like a sound of like I don't know like a and then be able to turn that into something else i sometimes yeah don't know how to that i was i heard that i was like that's perfect we're gonna use that like <laughs> i was like hattie what's I'll wrong with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you use 
like live instruments? So are you using sort of like digital instruments, plugins, or is it, is it a mix of both? It's a mix of both. Again, always that thing of trying to play a trick on yourself. So if I'm using a guitar, <laughs> I don't like it unless there's four of the same guitar playing the same part. Um, and mm. then, yeah, a fair bit of the like synthy stuff is just MIDI uh, or like, yeah, just MIDI orchestra sounds that you then like fuck with. Um, I like wish I had a, I've never had a studio where I've gone say, okay, I'm going to get my double bass player to come play double bass. It's like always been out of my bedroom mm. or here, which is, this is my studio setup, which is basically our kitchen. Um <laughs> which you can imagine is super super good the fridge is just always going <laughs> yeah you've got a really nice like yeah so i always take there. it out i always take out the fridge when i'm recording <laughs> vocals and then forget and then the next day everything's like yeah it comes at a price you know yeah going back to collaboration you've worked with quite a few artists and like as a broad brushstroke question yeah. do you not really i guess like what's your favorite part about collaborating with someone um Mm. i really like how it makes me do things i wouldn't normally do i think that's my favorite is like making music i wouldn't normally make um having somebody there like because i feel like when you're writing stuff by yourself it can be kind of a little bit like hard to be excited all the time you know and I really like that part when you get really excited about what you're making. And I think that's a bit easier when you're with somebody else. Um, I don't like, even though you haven't asked me my least favorite part, I'm going to give you that bit as well. I don't like when you're working yes. with somebody. Oh, and you really warm it into <laughs> I don't like when people, when you're like, when somebody just shuts down your idea and you're like, so what else should we do? And, and you know, mm. when they're not giving in the creativity, when you just feel like mm. it's like a relationship, you know, you have to be, there's a give and take. And I feel like when somebody's just taking um, and I mm. feel like maybe this is my, uh, maybe this is cynical, but sometimes in sessions where you're like just meeting someone for the first time, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever, guys have ever been in like a session where it's like your management's put you together and then you just kind of yes write a song and then that's it you know you never see each other again it feels mm. like yeah just quite it can sometimes feel a little bit like whoa i don't know yeah that's why i prefer to write with people i know a, a bit, bit. A bit yeah a bit pointless and a little yeah. bit um you just feel like there's not a kind of uh yeah give and take thing where you know i think i think this is the problem with me is because people normally think oh he's the producer i'm like yeah you know we can write a song for me as well like we don't you know i'm an artist as well like you don't yeah uh, it sounds selfish but i just find that every time i've been in a session where it hasn't been with a friend like jacob or nilifer it's like it's always the onus is always on me to make a beat and they're gonna you know someone's gonna walk away with a song and it's like i think that is my least favorite way of writing because mm. i've i really like to write when there's uh the roles aren't, aren't um, just like given to you. Do you know what I mean? So when me and Jacob write together, or it's just a bit more kind of nobody's on production or writing. Like anybody can be on the either side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Less predefined yeah. and a bit more like yeah, yeah, and adaptable. Flowy. So is, is that how you um, like find people to work with? Is it now just through like friends and word of mouth? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, I haven't, I've done a couple of sessions 
this from from here which have been which have been really cool actually i think it's been because we do more like i'm gonna do a bit you do a bit send it back and forth um mm-hmm. so you're not actually in the room with the person so you can spend like six hours like doing some synths or something for somebody and then be like tell me if you like it um yeah i don't know i found i always found it because i like yeah when i was in london and we weren't on lockdown i was working I was playing bass for Nilifer. I was doing my own stuff. I would occasionally play guitar for Jacob. Then I'd be trying to write my stuff and it was the the issue was finding time for it all. So oftentimes towards the end, I was just being offered people by my management all the time. And that mm. was cool, but it just also felt a bit like, yeah, I'd really like to just go in a week with somebody and we just, you know, almost like work, live in, and work like that, which is what me and Jacob did for a bit last year. And we did some really lovely, just was a really nice time for working. And we've, one of the songs has gone on his album and I think the rest are going to go on mine when that comes out. Who is like your dream person to collaborate with? Oh, yeah. Dead or alive, possible or impossible. I normally say uh, like Little Dragon, but I think I'm going to go with Hans Zimmer or... Um, mm. Nice. Or the nice. Wicked Ensemble, that maybe. Connects very nicely. To keep it. Oh. <laughs> the whole Wicked Ensemble, but I think... <laughs> <laughs> keep the theme. Keep, yeah, the, keep theme. the theme. And on repeat... Nice. Uh, it's actually been Little Dragon, funnily enough. Um, cool. There's this track called Lover Chanting, which I'm... I just really like. I just... It's just... It's not particularly crazy or deep. Um, my, and then just another recommendation... Uh, Sev Daliza, Darkest Hour. Oh, Sev Daliza. Sev Daliza, right? Oh, my yeah, friend Harvey I saw put, her in, um, put me onto her. Heaven. Uh, oh, wow, you saw her live. Yeah, but this was obviously like a year or two ago. It was so good. Like the dance was on point, like lights. And it was quite like, Heaven's not a huge venue. For it, like that? It's just amazing. I, I think yeah. so. And there was like balloons and it was yeah. great. Or how do you kind of put together your your live act? Do you always have like a live band with you? Obviously, your colour show's got like a huge horn section. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so again, this kind of organised chaos way of going about <laughs> it where you're like, yeah, I'm going to get loads of people in, but um, I can't actually write on a score. Like I can't write. Um, so I never have sheet music normally again. When I have horn players, I'm like, just do what you want. Uh, apart from if there's a line in which I will normally sing it to them or have hopefully sent it to them before. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like quite, you know, as much as I love musicals, I'm not going about it in that pro way. It's quite, can be quite chaotic. So I'm a big fan of the chemistry that builds up between people that play together a lot and love each other. I think you can't really... I think that's like the next best thing to being super organized. Last couple of months or last few months of being a high P live act in London, I was trying to boil it down to, a, you know, I think Tim had been, Tim was in it, Ellis was in it. Uh, and Tim's been playing, and Tim and Ellis, I should say, are my keys player and drum player. And they've both been playing with me 
for uh, a long, long time. Um, yeah, so I started like when I first got the idea to do Lucy Liu as a project, I was working with um, these two girls called Sheila and Richie, who uh, they now probably most famously mm-hmm. play in Coco Roco, but they're all over in terms mm-hmm. of, yeah, they're just amazing horn players, so they're very, very in demand. Um, and I actually am like, I can't believe I had them in my band and I was kind of being like, just play what you want. <laughs> but then again, yeah, it was like amazing to learn of them because I'd be like, okay, just play what you want. And Sheila would write like an amazing horn line, like one of the best horn lines you've ever thought in like off the top of the, the brain. And it was just like, and then they'd harmonize it between themselves. And yeah, I've always kind of like just given the musicians the... Uh, tried to be like, yeah, well, if they write the parts, they're going to be more invested in it and it's going to feel less like we're playing a dude's music and more like we're playing our music. And I think I really like that. And obviously sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't because people have other commitments. And yeah, I think for Colours, it was a really weird one because we, uh, Ellis, my who's like my main man, who I played with the longest of all of my band, he's the drum drummer and electronics, FX, SFX kind of stuff. Uh, he was away, so we were like, ah, shit, what are we going to do? Um, uh, so I was on tour at the time, and I was with uh, my friend Harvey, who's on vocals and keys, and my friend Gabe, who was on bass. And we were sure that we were going to do it just the three-piece, that song. I was like, yeah, just just go and just do a nice little chill, chill version. And like a week before or something, um, Colors of My Management, I can't remember which one, were like, we need the drums, we need the horns. We booked you because of the drums and the horns. And I was like, you know, I'm tour managing my own tour right now. This is kind of crazy for you to put this in my lap. But um, yeah, we just got it together. I just was able to book, find a drummer who was able to do it, uh, get the horns there. And um, yeah, I'm so glad we did because it's like it came together so well. And it's like one of those things where the first five takes, we were, we're in colors, you know, like so many amazing artists have done there. The first five takes, we're learning mm. the song. <laughs> we're like practicing it together <laughs> do you know what I mean and then the sixth one we're like ah oh, it's pretty good and the seventh one we're like everybody just have fun and we say to Kian oh, who's the gosh. youngest member of the band she's like 17 we're like the end just while out just go just go for a solo and she does and she absolutely smashes it and the drummer's like okay I've got to get my flight now and literally runs without packing down the drums and we're like yeah everybody's like high-fiving it was a wonderful wonderful like version of organized chaos coming off in a in a like way that it was like obviously meant to I guess um, mm. so yeah I don't know that was a bit of a window into yeah into the, my <laughs> my way of working I guess with that stuff I love that that was great that was mm. so good I was just I was also thinking Ellie and I spoke about this to Jacob about kind of um, streaming the streaming culture yeah and like whether that will ever kind of I think particularly in lockdown, not not necessarily replace gigs, but if it can be like a really good alternative. And actually, I guess something like Colours is a perfect version of, mm. of that streaming culture because it's they were kind of like ahead of the curve. I think they've done a really successful job. They've got like some great acts. It looks great. It sounds great. And then obviously by the sounds mm. of it, the artists have so much fun. Yeah, I think it can be... I think there's obviously good and bad to everything. I think Universal uh, have a deal with Colours. So you kind of like they... You license your song to them. So 
Um, obviously, yeah, like some of the rights get signed away and you're not paid for it. Do you know what I mean? So all the money mm. you're doing, obviously, yeah, you, you, it's amazing promotion. Obviously, you, you get a great following and numbers from it. So I'm not, this is not me shitting on colours at all. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I think it's important to, obviously with this year and everything that's been said about the music industry this year, it's important to always be thinking, well, there's probably a better deal in there somewhere, but Colours is definitely mm -hmm. one of the better platforms. And I have to say the, the team were really lovely. And um, yeah, I mean, they were a bit, I'm not gonna, <laughs> this is a little bit behind the scenes, but they were a bit like, we said no live drums. And I was like, what do you mean? I just had to book live drums. Like, <laughs> and then when they heard it, they were like, it sounds great. Why, you know, why were you worried? I was like, you told me no live drums when I got here. You looked stressed. It was one of those things. Oh, I was just, man. yeah, it's just, I think they were worried because it's just a big, like, obviously it's just a big room. So like they're worried it's going to reflect and the sound's going to fuck up. But mm -hmm. I had a guy called Chris Boot, who is an amazing drummer and he played very sensitively and very well on that. So we were quite lucky there. That it's funny Hattie what you were saying about colors being kind of ahead of their time especially mm. in uh, during covidism or whatever you want to call it tiny desk as well yeah and mm. how it's quite different doing I, I guess like a song or a gig in that context because unlike a live performance you know that it's kind of just it's there like you yeah. can't I, I, maybe maybe it's different because people can film gigs and stuff but how does it feel to you as a performer knowing that that is just there like on the internet like or, or do you get nervous like more nervous before something like that mm. yeah like a hundred percent wow you get I, I find it so like it's so funny because yeah I've I did a tiny desk with Nilifer and I think I like, I make a couple of mistakes in it, which is obviously the mm. thing I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Like, there's no way. But the way they mix it, you know, my like little bum note on the keys or whatever, that happens for like a second. Oh, you don't like, obviously you're not going to notice it. So I think, yeah, I, I always get really nervous. Also with the, the tiny desk, I like, someone came up to me and was like, can I get you anything? And I was like, oh, maybe a coffee? And they bought me this like super strong, like black coffee, like super American. Like, I don't know, it must have had like 200 grams of caffeine in it. And I was just like, like, yeah, I was pumped before I went on it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think with colors, it was so like, I was so dumb. I was like, oh, we're going to need to bring amps. We're going to need to bring this. So like we trekked it with all of our hard cases in cabs and stuff. And like we unload everything and they're like, yeah, yeah, we just go straight into the desk. And I was like, oh, damn. Um, you're always, it's always just, it's just the room, isn't it? But you think it, you like the, you know, you don't feel the thousands of people that are going to watch it mm. on, on a big, well, you know, on those big ones. But um, yeah, I always find it really nerve wracking. I get nerve wracking before I do an Instagram live to like three people. So like. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so, that's so interesting because. I think a lot of the time people assume that performers don't get nervous mm. and that they're really comfortable sharing their 
their work but actually it's such a vulnerable part of yourself that you're putting out there not just because you're performing but because it's your work and it's your performance and you've got to keep everything together with a group of people do you have any rituals that or or things that you you do to help you sort of combat your nerves oh man (laughs) we're gonna go down here booze like (laughs) (laughs) booze but like by you know just by the nature of the industry you're just given beers and like you're paid in alcohol like half the time um Mm, yeah that's a good point (laughs) which i don't think is like i'm not advocating for it and i'm like yeah this year when i've not been on tour it's been like raw alcohol is a bad not a bad thing rather than it's just the thing that you go you know you have a little beer before you go on stage just to like ease the nerves and you have a little beer after the stage to like chill out and you're like it's really hard because mm-hmm. you kind of actually just especially when you're on tour and uh, I have a real problem with sleeping hence the song Insomniac mm. and you know booze is a great way to get yourself to fall asleep so um, yeah this year has been like recognising that for me and being like okay this is something that you know for me was definitely a, a way to 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 numb those like nerves and feelings of like coming down or coming up um and yeah i don't know i think it's kind of i've also had times when i've like not been excited for a show like i've been you know 20 dates into a tour and you're just like oh man like i can't even another day like Mm. and i think that's worse like i'd always rather be nervous than um then like not up for it but then you have to do it anyway Mm. because it's your job uh so yeah i think that i think that the thing with alcohol though and music is they obviously go together like quite well and it's not about being like that's a terrible thing it's about recognizing how well they do go with each other but also being able to say ah like thanks thanks for those times but i don't need you now that we're not gigging which has been something for me this year that's a really wonderful answer and thank you for your honesty with that as well because I think that 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 really resonates with me you know and it's just I've only just thought about it now how yeah like sometimes you get paid in alcohol don't you as a musician and it is just it is just sort of there and does it help you I don't know like I mean I know something that I do if I ever feel anxious as I try and turn those anxious feelings into excitement like you were saying it's probably better to feel anxious than not bothered because then at least you can keep yourself on your toes but if we could be responsible about this and forget about the sort of drinking culture we have not just sort of like particularly in the UK but Mm. also around music do you think it would be good to have some kind of like responsible-ish sort of body that was like right we're gonna really like try and take care of you as a musician and if you're feeling nervous and what do you think that would look like yeah there's two ends of it so obviously if you're getting maybe you're not getting paid in booze you're getting paid really good fees but that still means the rider's going to be crazy it's going to be like you know Mm. whatever the most expensive liquor or whatever is you want and then the other part of it is yeah you're getting paid in like your six cans so you're like we're Mm. getting our money's worth tonight do you know what i mean yes i think yeah yeah both really lead to excess because obviously alcohol is addictive do you know what i mean some people have worse Mm. you know some people go the full way into that some people are are, have a different way of going about it and they can stay further from that um yeah i've seen really 
a variety of different uh, bands of and acts of different ages and in the music industry. And yeah, what I'm trying to say with that rather is, you know, a young band comes in, they're 18, 19, and they're doing really well. You know, there isn't no one there to say maybe go easy. And maybe we shouldn't say maybe go easy, but I think it's the time after that when, yeah, like a year, something like this happens and we're all told to like, or not told to, we all have to stop and take stock. And then you, yeah, you realize mm. the kind of the habits that you've built up and yeah, but I think it's kind of on us to, the responsibility would be on the people around, you know, it's on everybody's responsibility to be aware of how their friends are doing a bit more, especially if they're in music and mm. us as artists who are all in it, maybe to be a bit more like just aware of it, I say, would be. Yeah. yeah. doesn't help to, it's an industry that's largely around like nighttime culture. There are so many examples of musicians and, and artists in general who've kind of gone like off yeah. the rails, I guess, with it. It's almost a cliche, it's so easy right? to go. Yeah. I don't even think it's just a music industry issue. Yeah. It's, there's an issue in so many totally. sectors. So true. There's a, yeah, I think particularly in the UK, we have a very um, poor relationship with, with alcohol and it is a lot about excess. Um, I think it could really benefit everyone to maybe take a step back and look at how they consume whether they're making music or not when you're saying take a step back as well I guess for a lot of people and Luke it kind of sounds like this for you to an extent that was lockdown right yeah 100%. Like, lockdown was a bit of a step back and I know I've I don't know how you found it Hattie but I certainly think you know it was like that for for me as well and maybe maybe we're privileged enough to sort of have had the tools to be able to realize those things and I mean I saw as well uh on um I think it was on Instagram like it looks like you were doing amazing things during during lockdown really mm. enjoying your videos with me Ume. oh I right did, did that start <laughs> yeah back um, to you back to um, you did you see what I did yeah, there? I did that's a, a link segue. that's a professional <laughs> podcaster at work <laughs> so the question is how yeah what was lockdown like i've been really lucky to be in lockdown with somebody who we can create together like someone who's creative someone mm. who does music um yeah lockdown's been interesting for creativity because i feel like i should have done more but i'm also quite happy with how much i've done and i can't be um yeah i have to just be thankful of that uh yeah mm. i think we we were able to, uh, well, Uma had just released her first EP, um, which is awesome. Everyone yeah. should go check that out. Ooh, been listening to it. It's great. Oh, yeah, it's so good, isn't it? Um, if she wants to come on the podcast. I will put a word yes. in. I will put a word in, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, so she she did a, she just released her first EP. Actually, it was like the 30th of April. Well, it was in April at least. Maybe the 30th, I'm getting that date wrong, but... Yeah, she released the first EP, it all came out in April. And then she was like, I want to release another EP. And I was like, well, let's... This was actually... We'd actually written the starts of the songs that went on the EP before she said that. But yeah, we kind of wrote two songs just because it was like... We hadn't written together in ages because we'd um, been apart for a while. So then it was just really nice to write with her again. And we've like... 
made some cool stuff. I think we've got some more stuff that we haven't released that isn't finished yet, but I'd like to release as well. I think, yeah, this obviously comes with its issues of like being locked down together is trying to keep the creativity fresh and, you know, like that's not a saying between us. It's like when you're just feeling really shit about your own creativity, it's hard to be creative with somebody else. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes I'll be feeling it, I'll be making beats and some days I'm just like, ah, man, I'm just going to go work in the garden and, you know, work in the house or cook or I did a lot of cooking in lockdown gotten kind of decent at cooking i mean i was i thought i was what was your favorite dish oh that is a hard question because we made a lot um uma's mom's been making her own croissants oh hattie excellent i did i made my own croissants as well from scratch oh hattie so you know about making the butter chilled like and the the lamination lamination. yeah yeah (laughs) three days for like eight croissants it's a lot of work isn't it I wonder if you do have any guilty pleasures like do you have some playlists that maybe would be you know you want to you want to share or some artists that you want to share that might shock us listen to (laughs) yeah i do but like i have some things that will shock you but i don't want to share them but i will i'm going to build up (laughs) to it though um i'm gonna start with elton john uh he (laughs) was you know if you had asked me at goldsmiths what's your favorite elton john song i would have been like don't ask me that Mm. i don't like his music but I definitely like his music. I yeah. definitely do. There's a couple of bangers that he's got. There's a lot of bangers. Uh, Rocket Man is crazy. Yeah. Rocket Man is a crazy tune. So I'm going to say that's my favorite tune. Um, this is the problem. I'm quite bad with names. So I could probably sing you a few more, but I'm going to try and do less singing because I've already done a bit of that on this podcast. It's a bit. Um, it's, a, it's a podcast. It's not for me to hum things to you guys. Uh, no. Guilty no. Pleasures. I've got a real soft spot, yeah. And this is like, I don't think I've spoken about this as an influence this before. This is a scoop. <laughs> and I definitely feel like you guys are now going to use this as the part that you put on your story. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a big Wicked fan. I'm not going to lie. My my cousin, my cousins and my auntie were hugely into it uh, when I was about 10, 11. And um, I was like, this is lame because uh, I went I went to school near near where they put it where they put it on in Pimlico and um, I, I would walk past it on the way and I was like ah oh, it's lame and they would play it in the car to me and I could like I was slowly feeling myself be drawn in by it because the, I mean music in musicals is just crazy isn't it it's, it's like incredible. people look down on it but it's like pretty much the highest yeah. form of arrangement and, and that kind of stuff um and that's just one that I, yeah, as it like went to as a kid, uh, because they'd they'd been to see it like twice already. They were like, "All right, we're taking Luke this time," and I was like, oh, "Fine," but like slightly kind of excited for it. And then uh, <laughs> I just loved it. Yeah, I think I was like eleven or maybe twelve, and I was just like, "This yeah. is this is so cool!" Like, um, it, just it's... I think the music really, really did something to me. And obviously, the story is like one quite easy to get because it's about the Wizard of Oz. Um, so yeah, Wicked is my guilty pleasure, bro. 
it's funny talking about musicals because I feel like we've never spoken about musicals at all on any of our podcasts and oh, I do what? and I'm the think, first person <laughs> yeah yeah and I, but I love it I love it because I didn't expect us to go down this dimension yeah I feel like a lot of people are going to relate to it uh, I think they're amazing I, I studied like I kind of think about uni I studied English and drama and I think a lot of people kind of um mm. put down like the west end kind of thing well not necessarily mm. put it down but it's like maybe the lowest form of art in some people's mind but I think there's actually there's so much yeah. to it and as you said it's got so much arrangement there's so there's so many parts of the the process that have to come together to make this show and is there anything better than making like hundreds yeah, yeah. of people happy and there is a reason why tourists go to New York or London and mm-hmm. they want to see a Broadway show they want to see a West End mm-hmm. show because you know what you're going to get you're going to mm-hmm. be entertained and the the songs and the dancing it's like Every time I watch a musical, I'm like, oh my God, I want to quit my job and do this. And I don't know if, I don't know if any other thing really makes me feel yeah. that way. Yeah, same, same. I, like, when I, when I saw Wicked, I was like, I want to quit my, yeah. I want to quit school and, you know, run away and be the like, guy that, that sweeps the stage. And then like, you know, that typical like, stereotype thing where the guy's practicing with the broom and then the main guy like, hurts his leg and then you jump in. And the songs are so hard to sing. I yeah. remember doing musical theatre and they're, they're so hard to to get your kind of mouth around the words yeah. and they're so like, so much about the emotion and the feeling and like the physicality. It's yeah. a lot of things fusing together. process of like making music and whether that's like if you're defining it as like writing the lyrics or producing the beat do you pro- do you, um what's the word approach it the same like as an artist versus being a producer or do you just have do you have like one workflow for the both or mm. i mean i think you probably answered it and i'm just <laughs> <laughs> going um ooh, no that is kind of an interesting question i feel like my approach to uh writing a song for myself is always a lot more uh well I always find that yeah it's not actually about like going I'm gonna go write a song today it's just about sitting down playing and then yeah if it's good work with it if you're not feeling it don't work with it it's not necessarily mean the most productive but I think the best songs always come quite fast so um Mm. yeah what's the fastest you've written a song that's a good question um the latest song I put out, Boy of the Sun song, was like two hours. That makes me feel sick. <laughs> it was... <laughs> it's so quick. Yeah, but it was one of those ones where I was like, I'm just going to write like a... I don't know what... I was, I'm just going to write a guitar song because I haven't written one of those in ages. Um, mm. and what does a guitar song need? Just a couple of chords, a couple of fingers. Not like too crazy. Um, doesn't like... And yeah, then that worked that one time. And worked a couple other times, but it was always a little bit longer. And now it doesn't work because I like got, you know, <laughs> you you have to trick yourself, don't you? It's always the tricks you play on yourself, and it's just like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then if you like, you find out the trick, and then you like try and exploit it. The trick's like, no, nope, no, nope. yeah, I yeah, I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> don't think it's that easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Luke, you've been such a a wonderful guest and 
no one can tell that it's your first podcast. It's very, yeah. it's very natural, very, very natural. Right. That is to your guys' credit because you're wonderful hosts. Thank you so much for being amazing hosts, having me on. If this is the last podcast I do, I can be, <laughs> I can, yeah, be happy. It's fine. Maybe you just like peaked. You're just like, you know what, I've done yeah. one and it was the best one. Yeah, well, I always have this as the bar, you know. <laughs> to set it to, exactly. so it's a, it's a high bar. Such a good episode. Such Loved a good episode. It. it was so lovely to interview Luke, learn loads about him. And it's actually really great to catch up with someone that we both went to uni with, but it was such a long time ago. I think we hardly spoke at uni, actually. I, I think that was the case for so many people. And as people develop, you don't know where everyone's going to go off. And it's quite nice speaking mm. to people after uni, I think, when people have carved their yeah. paths a little bit more. But Luke's definitely someone was keen on interviewing right from the very start of uh, of On Repeat. Someone I said to you, Hattie, we really need to speak to him. He's doing amazing things. So I'm really glad that we got an opportunity to do that. Me too. It was He was amazing. It was such a lovely interview. I think we spoke for quite a long time, if I remember rightly. I think we just kind of like kept trying to end the interview and then we'd have like another thing to say. Um, so super grateful for your time, Luke. It was so lovely to chat to you. Um, and great to keep up with you afterwards. I'm so excited to see what happens next. And yeah, just thanks so much. And thank you, you, for listening. Doesn't make any sense, but thanks so much for listening. You can keep up to date with Luke via social media, um, mainly on Instagram, which is at Lucy Lou Band. And also be sure to check out his Bandcamp, which is lucylou.bandcamp.com, which is easy to remember. And of course, uh, on, on all the usual platforms. Keep rating, subscribing, leaving your lovely comments. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of On Repeat. We have been Hattie and Ellie. We hope yeah. that you've enjoyed the episode. And yeah, catch you next week, I guess. Boy with a sun song. What you gotta run from? I didn't know that you were feeling lonesome. So what you gotta run from Never gonna love one I didn't know that You were living life so hard on yourself So hard on yourself